This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Sometimes things in this life happen that can never be taken back. Whether it's a hurtful word or an injury that forever scars the heart. It seems impossible to return to our former self afterward. In today's program, we'll talk about what we can do when we find ourselves in such a situation. Please stay with us for our message, I Need to Make Some Changes in My Life. So how are those New Year resolutions coming along? This is the time of year when we talk of making changes in our lives. You know, Jesus has some great insights on making positive changes in one's life, so I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your Holy Word, which holds such important truths for living an abundant new life. As we study the words of Jesus today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, soften our hearts and open our minds to understand, receive, and apply your truth that sets us free. Amen. Our reading for today is a classic from Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." And they began to celebrate. Now, his elder son was out in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. 
He replied, your brother has come and your father's killed a fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command and yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because his brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Dear friends, have you ever found yourself saying this? I need to make some changes in my life. Oftentimes, we're usually brought to that conclusion by circumstances. For instance, my pants are uncomfortably tight. I guess I better make some changes in my eating habits. Or this one. I'm scaring my wife and my kids with my drinking. I guess I need to make some changes in my life and get help. Or, I'm feeling stuck in this job. I need to make some changes. The truth is, we get to those kinds of places in life because we're not very good at running our own lives. I know I'm not. Because I'm a sinner. And when I try to do life on my own terms, which is what sin is all about, like the old song says, I did it my way, it typically leads to disaster. I'm just not very good at running life on my own. And I've learned along the way that no one is. And we're not very good at getting it fixed either as I try to do it on my own willpower, my own strength. Uh, it's illustrated for us in a little children's book, Frog and Toad Together. The two, two central characters discover their limits of merely trying to stop eating cookies. When Frog bakes a batch of cookies, he says, We ought to stop eating these, they say, and they, they keep eating. We must stop, they resolve, as they eat some more. We need willpower. Finally, Frog says, grabbing another cookie, what is willpower, asks Toad, swallowing another mouthful. Willpower is trying very hard to do something you want to do very much, Frog says. Frog discusses a variety of ways to help with willpower, putting the cookies in a box, tying the box shut, putting it high up in a tree. But each time, Toad points out in between bites that they could climb the tree and untie the box. In desperation, Frog finally dumps the remaining cookies outside on the ground and says, Hey, birds, here's cookies. Toad says sadly, Now we have no more cookies. Yes, says Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. And Toad replies, You may keep it all. I'm going home to bake a cake. We're just not very good at changing our lives on our own willpower. Jesus told a story about a young man who tried doing life his way. He insulted his father by saying to him, I want my share of the inheritance now, which is the same as saying, I wish you were dead. He put the family in financial jeopardy by taking away his part of the inheritance. He cut himself off from his family and community and his security, breaking his loved one's hearts. 
And he took his money and ran off to the far country. Jesus said he spent it all. And then a famine hit the land, and he wound up in such sad straits that he was working for a Gentile farmer tending pigs in the field. And he'd get so hungry he'd be tempted to eat what the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. No one cared for him. He was destitute. He had hit bottom. He finally came to a senses, though. He had a wake-up call of sorts. He thought to himself, my life is heading in a bad direction. I had it made back home under my dad's roof. What was I thinking? So he put together a little repentance speech to tell his father, I've sinned against God and against you, Dad, and I'm not worthy to be called your son, but I'll be your hired hand. Just let me do that. And so he headed towards home, not sure what he would find there, because his father could very well, within his rights, have formally cut him off from the family. Well, as he drew near to home, he saw a figure running towards him. As it got closer, he saw it was his father running like a fool towards him, not caring what anyone thought as he lifted up his robes and exposed his underwear to keep from tripping on the robe. We read that the father was waiting and watching for the boy to return, hoping. And when he saw him, he lay aside all dignity and ran to him, put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son starts his speech. Father, I've sinned against God and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but Before he could even get the rest of the speech out, the father broke in, saying to his servants, Quick, get the best robe for him, get a pair of new shoes, get the family signet ring, kill the fatted calf, invite the neighbors over to celebrate with me, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. And the boy went back into the house with his father. No arguing, no trying to work a deal to work for dad. He simply went in the house and was home again. This story has been referred to as a repentance story. Repentance basically means making a U-turn. It means coming back home to live under the authority of God, under God's roof, so to speak. By the way, Jesus points out that this father had another lost son who needed to do the same sort of thing, who had been trying to live life on his own terms as well. It's that elder brother. He stayed home, but he seemed to grow further and further away from his father. And we see it all spewed out as he refuses to come into the house and celebrate his younger brother's return. Turns out he wasn't serving out of love and gratitude for his father, but out of selfishness, trying to maintain control of his destiny. He was living with the attitude, the old man owes me. I've been good to him. He, too, is living in the far country. He wouldn't come into the house, and the father gently, lovingly appeals to him, come on in, and doggone it, Jesus leaves us hanging. He doesn't tell us if the brother went in or not. What do you think? The far country. Where is it? Actually, it's a picture For when we're distanced from God, our Heavenly Father, and His will for our lives. And we've all been there. It's very easy to get to the far country on our own. It's actually part of our nature 
Like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. For some, it's an intentional rejection of God's authority over your life, a rebellion of sorts, the attitude that I don't need some God telling me how to live out my life. It's too restrictive. Or maybe you've been living with the older brother and it's been a turnoff and and you're saying, I don't want to live like that and look like that. Maybe you're upset with God because you feel he's let you down. He's turned his back on you when you needed his help during a bad time. You've run away. Sometimes it's the distractions of life, chasing after all the trophies of what the world might call the good life, accumulating status and wealth and pleasures and wonderful experiences. These are good things, but they can become idols in our lives and take over, leading us to the far country, away from God, as we chase after these things like sheep, nibbling themselves lost from the shepherd. We see that far country can happen right in our very own hearts as we sit in our church pew. This attitude that I can earn my way into the Father's good favor, that God owes me. I'm trying to maintain my independence. The symptoms of living in the far country that way are sometimes self-righteousness and judgmentalism and legalism. That's living in the far country. By the way, I found that this repentance thing is something that I need to do every day. Daily repentance, you see, is like my daily baptism. That's what Martin Luther says. I'm drowning the old sinful self that keeps rearing its ugly head up, saying, you can do this life yourself on your own terms. Do it your way. And that's nothing but a lie. So the truth is, I need to turn around every day and confess and surrender again and again. It's deadly, you see, to stay long in the far country. Staying there can lead to a sad, wasted life. You miss out on what Paul calls the kingdom of God's righteousness and peace and joy of living with the Holy Spirit, having a right relationship with God, being at peace within, knowing that you have a Father who loves you, and the joy of the Holy Spirit working in you. And you miss out on God's purpose for your life, which is to glorify and enjoy Him forever. And you miss out on the power that's offered by God to get things turned around and live healthy and truly happy lives, even in tough circumstances. Yet it happens to far too many people in this world. They stay in the far country. Jesus tells us in this little parable of the prodigal son, it doesn't have to end that way. You see, the real prodigal, which the word means lavish and extravagant, is not the sons. The prodigal in this story is the father, who's ready to give his all to his children, welcoming them back home trying to get him back in the house with him. That's a lavish and extravagant grace. The criticism of Jesus by those holier-than-thou Pharisees actually is our good news for today. 
he welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's good news for this sinner. Jesus is God's open door for those who want to come home. Jesus went to the cross so that you could come home. He paid for our sinfulness at that cross so that you could come home. He rose again from the dead so that you could come home eternally. And in him there is welcome to the loving promises of God. He holds the power, and he alone, for making positive changes in your life. As you come to him, and you surrender your being to his care and leadership, as you follow him and trust him and obey his word and live with him, you'll soon discover he knows what makes your life work best. Another parable. A man riding on a train noticed a young man across the aisle who was highly anxious and agitated. He kept looking at his watch, glancing out the window, and was unable to sit still for more than a few seconds at a time. The man asked the young person what the problem was and was told the following story. Several years earlier, the young man had run away from home simply because his parents had not given him his own way in some matter of minor importance. Though he knew it would break their hearts, he had stubbornly persisted in not writing to them, so that for several years they had no knowledge of his whereabouts or his activities. Finally, one day, he was filled with remorse as well as homesickness, and he wrote to his parents to say he'd like to come back home if they were willing to have him. To know whether or not they would forgive him and welcome him back to the house, he suggested that they tie a cloth to a pear tree in the corner of their orchard, which he could see from the train window as he went past the farm just before arriving at the railway station. The cloth would indicate their willingness to forgive and receive him, and he would then get off the train. If no cloth appeared, he would know that he wasn't welcome home and would continue on. He confided to the older man that they would be passing the farm soon, and he was filled with agony and suspense, wondering what the answer would be. The older man said he'd look, and if the answer was negative, he'd try to soften the announcement for him. So the younger man agreed, described the characteristics that would make this farm recognizable, and told the man they would pass it in about one minute. The older man looked out the window as a train rolled past the family farm, and then smiling, he turned to the young man and said, It's all right, son. You're forgiven. There's a cloth tied to every tree in that orchard. Come home. That's the message today. Turn your heart towards home and know this. Your father will never turn you away. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good and gracious Father, ready to welcome us home when we wander away from you. And you know how prone we are to wander and try to live life on our own. Forgive us for trying to be so independent with our lives. We need you to run our lives. So enter in and take over. We entrust ourselves to your gracious care and direction, because you know what makes our lives work best. Amen. 
Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to turn your heart toward home and know your Heavenly Father will never turn you away. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders is dependent upon the free will gifts of our listening audience. Many people choose to remember a loved one with a memorial gift, which can be given to remember a special person on their birthday or another meaningful occasion. If you would like to make a donation in loving memory of someone, send it to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-MY-FAITH. That's 888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 2770924. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. Christian Crusaders now broadcasts over 27 radio stations in 11 states. Catel, Kenya, shortwave in Europe, and on the Internet where you can find additional resources and past sermons. Visit us anytime at www.christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are grateful you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.